With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're back. It's another Carolina podcast, Vaudeville edition. We're going to hit on a little bit of everything today. Of course, we have some football news for y'all, although the South Carolina football team is on spring break right now. I guess all of South Carolina is on spring break. The football team is not practicing because it's spring break means we'll have a chance to sort of regroup, go through our thoughts through the first five practices. Obviously, that's only the first third of spring, but it kind of feels like the first half of spring because it's this big, awkward demarcation in the middle of it. We'll have an opportunity to go a little bit deeper into an early look on the class of 2021. Look at the recruiting calendar because I forget these things all the time. I'm sure those of you listening, most of you can keep up with it better than I can. But just for my sake and for those people that are as uninformed as I am, Chris and Wes are going to Give us a rundown of what the recruiting calendar looks like from now until the start of the season. We're going to have a recap of a very interesting and meaningful poll question that Wes Mitchell ran on his Twitter account earlier in the week. And we're going to close with a special segment where we do impressions of random people, maybe, depending on whether or not Wes and Chris actually want to do it. That that's was, what we decided to do before the podcast. The that that um, might make the cut. We're going to try it. Here, um, <laughs> we also probably need to point out that there is not a spring game Versus, yes. versus Purdue. Right, that because, the spring game will be because Cincinnati recently canceled their <laughs> spring game, so South Carolina is going to replace <laughs> Purdue on the schedule with Cincinnati. But yeah, there you um, go. Anyway, for do anyone, do we really need to point that out? Obviously, we I do. think we do. No, yeah. But for the people that believed that and went with it, one, thank you for making my dreams come true. Two, I don't know. To most people understood that that wasn't the case, and for the people that believed it, it was fun. So we should have just let them believe it, and they probably enjoyed it. I think most people enjoyed that, and actually, but then they're going to be very disappointed. Okay, and now, that's, now that's spring fair. game attendance well, you know may go up because of you. <laughs> I know that's what I'm trying to do yeah. here. People are going to show <laughs> up. Job. They're going to be expecting to see the Boilermakers. They're just going to see the Gamecocks, but they're already going to the be there, so they're not going to leave. Let's start there. Actually, before we even get into our thoughts through the first five spring practices, how great. Would that be? Do you guys earnestly support intra? No, sorry. Is it intra or inter? Inter. Inter squad. Yeah, because intro is within. Intro inter is within between. The, yeah. yeah. So inter squad, intercollegiate. Yeah, that's right. Definitely intercollegiate. Intercollegiate spring games. 100% for. Yeah, absolutely. Why will that never happen? Or why has it never happened to this point? I don't know. I could, I could see it happening, man. It seems like. There's basketball teams do it right, the secret scrimmage. Yeah, and they're but they're super secret. Super secret, even though they always leak. Yeah, or a lot of times they do. Um, I don't know why it hasn't happened. I, I think maybe there's an injury element. I guess. Um, I'm not really saying that's a great reason, but um, I mean NFL teams do it. Yeah, they you do. A, they do a lot of. I mean, not exactly scrimmages, and obviously they have the preseason games, which are a little bit different. But they'll do like the inner squad practices. Yeah. Yeah. That that may be a a good start, um, and then maybe we could work our way up to doing an actual. But but wouldn't it be beneficial um, 
say, like College of Charleston. Like, not even a team, you know, maybe it's a team that's not on your schedule at all. It's a local team. Um, come in and do a very just controlled scrimmage. You can make it a fan day where you bring everybody out, make a big deal about it. Um, I think it would be very, very beneficial. And both, you know, both coaches, there's really no limit on how you could do it. Both coaches could, could sort of say, hey, I, I want to work on these areas. I want to work on. Mm-hmm. So you could, like, it could be a spring game, but then you could also do lots of situational work as well. And um, televise, I mean, shoot, dude. I, I don't really know why you couldn't. I don't know either. I th- I don't know if there's an NCAA regulation. I don't know if this is just the coaches. If the coaches wanted to, I don't know if they would be allowed to schedule it. And to your point about doing local teams, I would say yes and no. Because ultimately, I think it would actually be really cool for South Carolina to play Purdue in the spring game because those teams never play. I'm guessing they have played at some point. I couldn't tell you when the last time it was. But as we know from the people that thought we were being serious, and by the way, that doesn't necessarily reflect poorly on you because I think the last couple podcasts we've We've done a good job of being like very convincing about that and, and not laughing and keeping a straight face whenever we talked about this upcoming Purdue game on April 4th. So uh, don't take it too hard if you're just now realizing that that game's not actually happening. But I think what we've seen from the conversations that those people have been having online is that that's something they would really get excited about. It's, it's easier to, to televise, to talk about, probably easier to learn about your team. And to your point, Wes, I, I don't think if the injury concern is what's keeping people back from earnestly having this conversation or even wanting to try to start a trend like that, we see guys get hurt in spring all the time. You're going against football players. It wouldn't necessarily be a live game or any more live than spring already is. You're just going against an opponent, so you can get the opportunity to have different looks. And, you know, frankly, what do we hear at the end of every spring and at the end of every summer? We're tired of hitting each other. We want to hit somebody else. So I Mm. think there's value in getting a look against somebody else and to your other point about playing a local team, I think what's brilliant about that, and Jay Phillips has proposed this before, and I really like this idea, as we try to somewhat normalize the college football schedule, like the way that, that teams play each other and whether or not you know that actually means Power 5 schools only scheduling other Power 5 schools and things like that, and trying to eliminate the FCS games just from everybody's schedule because nobody likes it anymore, it's not good for TV, nobody cares, there's no value for those games. If you really want, unless wanna... you are the FCS team, there is value. No, sure, sure, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're Furman, if you're Wofford, if you're Coastal, if you're Charleston Southern, and you want to play South Carolina in Williams Bryce Stadium, here's your opportunity. It's in the spring, so I don't think that's the best case scenario, but I think that's an interesting short term fix because you take that out of the rotation, you put another hard game in your actual schedule, and you still give those smaller schools an opportunity to come play in Williams Bryce. You get to play another team if you're South Carolina. Get some different looks. And like you said, Wes, just work on some things. I think there are so many intriguing possibilities here, and it's a shame that no one's tapped into it yet. And I think the the reason, I don't know if this is the reason, but so so the reason that you have the current like iteration and version of the spring game that we've always had is because technically the spring game counts as one of your practice sessions. You know, you have a certain amount per NCAA regulations. The spring practice sessions that you have – um, they can only last a certain amount of time. You have to have the acclimation period, you know, 12 of your practices or a certain number, hour number of your practices, you know, have to be non-contact. Um, they have to take place, you know, you have to have scheduled days off during the spring. Um, your players can't go over a certain number of involuntary hours during the week that they're working on football. So you got all these different things. And so really there's just not a way per the rules right now to play another school because your your spring game is your spring practice. Now, some other schools have either 
in the past they've not played him or they've done a different format, whatever it may be. There has been some talk. I remember Hugh Freeze several years ago when he was at Ole Miss proposed playing other schools and even brought it up like in Destin at the SEC meetings, but things didn't really progress. So what you would have had to do was, you know, the SEC would have to basically sponsor it and say, okay, we're going to take this. We're going to create some legislation that allows for it. It'd have to be an SEC sponsorship. Then mm-hmm. it'd have to go to the NCAA. There's just not a way to do it. Why right would now. it have to be sponsored? Like, why couldn't South well, Carolina? Obviously, I don't know how much Carolina plays. I think they'd have to sponsor year, right? the legislation, maybe, or okay. just allow for the games. I mean, there's all these different. It's just hoops to jump through. Yeah. Maybe just people have just not wanted to jump through them. Um, his, his proposal was, you know, let's let's charge for the game. Not much. Not a hundred dollars. Five bucks is exactly what he brought yeah. up. Let's pay the away team for their travel, and then exactly. let's give it to charity. Yeah, so Carolina's playing Wofford this year, is that right? That's their that's their garbage school, their garbage team they're playing this year. Wes, Chris, does anyone know what the football schedule is? Are they playing Wofford? I don't know what my schedule is for today. So. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, whoever they're playing, and they who are the playing, last Charleston um, Southern. They're playing Wofford, yeah. Okay, so how much are and they? Coastal. How much are they paying Wofford? Like eight hundred grand. I don't know price, the number of, but normally that's what it is nowadays. You're going to pay seven fifty to a million, yeah. So for a guarantee, you pay yeah. a third of that, if that, to get whatever small school to come play at Williams Bryce for the spring game. Those small schools are still making money. Which, by the way, I guess I don't speak for everybody. Like I'm, I'm not a representative of like small schools in the state of South Carolina by any means. Even though I did go to Furman, I don't care. Like, Furman football does not move the needle for me. I know it does for some of my classmates and some of my teammates. So, uh, like I said, I don't necessarily speak for them. But, like, Furman getting $800,000 from South Carolina every year, that doesn't make a difference to me either way. Like, I don't I don't care about that. So, I'm not worried about the state of, like, the small schools. But if they are going to go away from the schedules of these big schools eventually, maybe not in the near future, but I think in the future, in our lifetimes, we will see – Power 5 schools quit scheduling those FCS schools. This is a way to keep them around. They get a little bit of money. They won't get the same amount of money, but they still get a little bit of money. And again, like there is value in having an opponent in this game. I think the same amount of people would go to see South Carolina play Charleston Southern on April 4th as they would, you know, September 13th or whenever that game was, you know? Like, I don't think it necessarily makes a difference. It's another football game. It's more meaningful. The other part that you touched on, Chris, that I want to ask you about, what was it? What was the what was the first thing you said was an issue? Oh, so there's just no there's no framework. Yeah. So how wait, how is a, there how does the timing how does the timing for potentially playing someone in the spring mess up spring practices? Because you're not changing anything. You're not changing the allocation of the time for any of the practices or the game. The only it, difference is there's just another team on the other sideline. Yeah. So I mean, well, it's just it's just because of the way I guess legislatively from a from a law NCAA bylaw standpoint, you know. Your spring game is just a a public practice, basically. Mm-hmm. It counts as one of your practices, and those practices are intra-squad. I mean, like by just, law. Yeah, okay, I mean because you're, you're talking about now. I don't I don't have the law in front of me. I don't know if it says you will not play another team. You must play your. But it's it, it, within that framework. Within the framework mm-hmm. of spring practice, it's understood and it's it's noted in the bylaws that this is your team. You know, and there's been some other things. Um, you used to be able to take your team, for instance, to a different location. You know, Jim Harbaugh took Michigan to, like, Rome or whatever and had some practices, or I think maybe they went to IMG Academy for a practice. 
and the NCAA did away with that. Um, but, you know, th- there are some things that you could do, but you couldn't play another team. So I guess what you would have to do is you would either have to work it into the framework of, hey, we're going to change this rule and we're going to make a rule that you can have one practice, two practices, whatever, can be inter-squad. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, we are going to, we'll keep everything the same as spring practice, then we're going to give you the opportunity to have one, you know, practice or one uh, public exhibition game or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. during this specific time frame against another team. Hmm. So you would just you, you would just they they have to have a bylaw for yeah, every yeah. little thing they do. Well, so. the, the part of that that you know may be encouraging for people that are in favor of this, we don't think about this often because it rarely gets exercised. But the Power Five does have some autonomy from the NCAA. The Power Five could make that a bylaw of their own without having to change the entire NCAA rule. Now, maybe it would have to change because you're going to be involving schools at another level. I don't know if those are FCS rules, FBS rules, if it's all of Division One, if it's all of the NCAA, how exactly that works. But you know, you're talking about framework. The Power Five has the ability to change that for themselves in some of these you know, smaller situations. They're not going to change the entire landscape of college football, the Power Five, just by themselves at this point even though they should. I don't know if they have the power to do that. But something like this seems like it's absolutely feasible. Wes, what do we need to do? The three of us in this room, we need to make this happen. How do we make this happen? <laughs> um, I don't know if there's a single thing we can do to make it happen. Cool. Chris, what what help? I want this. I, I think there's just going to have to be a, a push by some coaches to, to, so br- we need to, to get Will's put ear. it on the table. Does Will listen to this podcast, you think? No, I, I'm gonna uh, guess. No. So you're saying laugh. what can Chris we laughed. do? Not as a collective. You're talking about us, or in the as room. a collective? I don't know. I want to make this happen. This started out as a joke. This was a throwaway. I don't know why I said that. I don't like the first time two weeks ago when I was like, oh yeah, this Carolina they're playing Purdue on April fourth. I don't know why I said that. I just say random stuff. That's what I do. And I'm realizing now that that was actually a really good idea. And people on the message board agree. And well, it's, it doesn't it's make sense that it doesn't happen. Before. Huh? It's been talked about before. Yeah. Some coaches have been. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess you said, mentioned Hugh Freeze yeah. said that. You know, but. Dabo Sweeney has said he's for it. Yeah. Um, like, I think a lot of coaches have said they like the idea. The um, The thing to me is, dude, when you're, when you're playing yourself, you don't really, you maybe have an idea, but you don't know what you have. Um, you know, is is my left tackle really good or is my – Defensive end just gonna get smashed when uh, when I play a real opponent. You know, if if you have two sort of relatively newcomers to your starting lineup, you really don't know, and you don't know how a guy's gonna respond to the lights coming on. Not that it would be the same, but mentally, But it would be much. It would be much closer than yeah. hitting your your buddy who you're gonna go have a beer with uh, a few hours later. If you're at the end you of know twenty one and a senior. Um, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, there would be a lot of positives to it. And here, here's the biggest reason that it's a surprise that it hasn't happened yet. Money. I mean, it's something you could use to make money. Mm-hmm. And I thought, generally, that's what drives everything with major college athletics. Yeah. So. Well, that's the difficult part with the NCAA because on the one hand, it's like any opportunity for them to make money, you feel like they take advantage of it, but that is like really, in this case, really butting heads with the fact that this is a good idea and NCAA can't do anything that's a good idea. So it's like, oh, we want to make money, but we don't want to make any good decisions with our product. So like, what do we do? We're at this impasse. It's it's really frustrating, you know, for fans, for coaches, I'm sure that 
want to see this happen. <laughs> spring practice, an evaluation of spring practice, our take on spring practice. I value y'all's opinions. I value your insights. Y'all get to go to practice. Y'all go to practice. Y'all notice things that a lot of people wouldn't notice. Even if even if it were open to practice, y'all still notice a lot of things that people don't normally notice. So there's a lot of value to that. But it seems like by the end of every spring, evaluation and sort of like grades for what happened in the spring has less to do with the football team, is less telling about the football team and more telling about are you as a person, as a beat writer, as an opinion person, are you optimistic or are you pessimistic? Because to Wes's point, if Carolina's spring game, they have 19 sacks, it's like, wow, this defensive line is going to be fantastic. That doesn't actually tell me anything about South Carolina's defensive line. That tells me that whoever is writing or has that opinion is an optimistic person. Because there's going to be someone on the other side being like, wow, Carolina's offensive line is about to be a disaster. And that doesn't tell me sure, anything yeah. about South Carolina's offensive line. All that tells me is that, is that the person that has that opinion is probably a relatively cynical person. And that the reality of the team is going to end up being somewhere in the middle. So this would be an opportunity you know, for the coaches to learn more about the team, for the players to learn more about themselves, for the fans, for everyone in the media to just get a little bit more information. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe you know, for people like Will Muschamp, I cannot imagine he would be in favor of having a spring game against an opponent that's like open to the public. And, and I don't know if that would be an important part of the negotiation. Obviously, if Carolina did have an inter-squad practice, you would not want it to be like it is with basketball because I think that would be really fun to go watch Carolina play you know, Illinois or, or whoever it was they played at the beginning of the season. That's closed for you know, X's and O's, like scheme, purpose, you know, trying to conceal what you do as a team until the start of the season, so I understand that. I think that would be a real missed opportunity. But even if, even if that were the case, even if Will Muschamp was like, I agree to this. Carolina will play Furman on April 4th as part of the spring game, but it's not open to the public. I still think that would be more valuable than the way that spring concludes currently. Yeah, I do think it'd be more valuable. I I, I think if, if it ended up happening, most likely, I won't say for sure, but most likely, you know, it's something that they would at least give schools the option to open to the public. Maybe they'd leave it like the other spring practices. You know, Schools don't have to have an open spring game. I mean, yeah, not, that's true. Not, so, you know, maybe, maybe you get, you know, Nick Saban says, well, Alabama, we're going to play, you know, whatever, Valdosta State, and and give them some money, um, and then is and that then it's in Alabama? Be closed. No, it's in Georgia. Okay, I had no idea where that was. But I just pulled it out of thin air. It's a good but one. you know, th- then you may, of course, fans are going to want it. It would draw fan interest more. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there's there's almost zero doubt that if Carolina is playing anybody but Carolina on the spring game, then there's more fans because then there's a little bit more competitive juice and, and interest. Yeah. And again, see how they stack up against another team. That's definitely the best case future scenario is that fans can be involved and you can sell tickets and the university can make a little bit of money. Um, And then again, on the flip side, especially if you are scheduling these smaller schools, then you can say, okay, well, we already, we already played them. We don't need to schedule them again. We already gave them a little bit of money and then you can fill out your schedule with, actual real opponents. Now that's like a, a much bigger discussion that we can have in the actual actual offseason, but even for spring as much as it would be a missed opportunity to not let fans in on this, I still think it needs to happen. It needs to happen. Whether it's Purdue, whether it's Charleston Southern, I hope that that's the future of the spring. I guess I don't have any reason to believe that. If y'all are telling me that these conversations have been had many times in different coaches meetings over the years from everyone from Dabo Sweeney to Hugh Freeze, 
and it's kind of gone nowhere. I don't necessarily expect that to change, but I think this is where the Power Five needs to step in and say, we want to do this and make it happen. So anyway, I apologize to all of you. Not that I, not that we tricked you if you believed it, but I apologize that it's not actually going to happen because it should. And with that, like I said, Carolina's on spring break. They've had five practices through the first two weeks, and then they'll come back and do the last 10 throughout the remainder of March. Obviously, the last one on April 4th. So we're less than halfway through practice, but through the first chunk of practice. And like I said, this big demarcation of spring break. What have Wes uh, Mitchell and Chris Clark... I always want to call you Wes Clark and Chris Mitchell. Chris, Westchel, and Mitch. What have y'all learned through the first... I don't know why, Mitch. Mitch. What have you learned? What have you learned? What have you seen? I'm going to ask this sarcastically, and then y'all are going to answer me earnestly because y'all are professional and I am not. Have you learned anything about the South Carolina football team through five practices? I think it's more, you know, it's a little bit more of what we've heard as, as, as opposed to, I couldn't spit it out, as opposed to what we've seen because, you know, we just haven't seen a lot. We've seen how many, you know, 12, or I mean, nine periods mm. total of practice and probably six of those, five, six of those have been special teams. If you not know, all of them. If not, you're close to all of them. So, I mean. So, how do you feel about uh, Carolina's special teams going Right, right. Year? And even that, you can't, you know, a lot of that's not live. It's drill work. So, um, I think, you know, going a little bit more, a little bit of eye test, but a little bit of what we've seen, you know, uh, Marshawn Lloyd stands out because, you know, he, he and Luke Doty, and I know we talked about this before, they've been the two guys that we've heard the most buzz about in terms of offense. And not surprised by that because people tend to pay more attention to that. You know, we've heard some stuff about, you know, offensive line, Jason Turnatine or Trey Jones, whoever it may be. We've heard some positive things, but people tend to look at, okay, who's the new quarterback? You know, by new, I don't mean the new starter, but a new quarterback coming in, what's he look like? Big time running back in, in uh, Marshawn Lloyd. And he, you know, as evidenced by a five-second video that I posted that got like 200,000 views or something Ooh, crazy. not as many as Ryan Holinsky. Really? Was it not? I don't know. I thought the Ryan Holinsky one got like a half a million or something. Uh, I or were we just so. exaggerating? I, I think I was that. exaggerating. It had okay. to be more for Marshawn. Okay. But I mean, you know. He looked fast, though. Yeah, I mean, good footwork. But he's been very <laughs> impressive. Um, I think he's got a really good shot to play a lot um, and be the starter. I, th- I think sort of he'd be my clubhouse leader for that. Um, getting a look at some of maybe the secondary combinations that they're going to go with um, where you have – you know, maybe Jamie Robinson and R.J. Roderick at, at safety and regular and then move Jamie over to nickel in the other iterations. And, um, you know, having Cam Smith or Johnny Dixon playing corner with the first team guys, you know, when you're in that nickel package, just sort of looking at that and seeing how some guys have progressed physically. I think those are the main things. And, and you know, one more just sort of off the top of my head is just we haven't seen any – we've seen – Wes, correct me if I'm wrong. Zero formations, defensively or offensively. We haven't. Yeah. I don't think we've seen an offensive formation, but you can tell with some of the drill work that Mike Bobo's done. They've worked on play action game, you know, out, out of the under center and things like that. So just some of those different things that they're going to be incorporating, um, I think, is a little bit of what we've learned. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's easy to give Luke a lot of the attention because we're naturally drawn to the new guys, and people want to know which new guys. Um, look the best, who's stood out. Um, and there's a reason, you know, that Luke and Marshawn have, I mean, they've garnered most of the attention really since the day they arrived in their first 
you know, winter workout and, and all that stuff, and rightfully so. But, you know, I, I think I think Ryan Helensky has had a good first five practices. Um, you know, you, you listen to Bobo talk, and um, the guy's, I, I think, a straight shooter. And, uh, you know, he didn't necessarily s- specifically say the words, Ryan Helensky is my starter, but um, he, uh, you know, he said when he was talking about the position, he said our quarterback ha- has played well. Uh, you know, not our quarterbacks. He said our quarterback has played well, and he was referring to Ryan Helensky. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a good sign, uh, the stuff about him putting in the extra work to, to learn everything. Uh, working on his footwork was a big um, focus for him this offseason. <laughs> quote was his footwork was terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, and that, that comes from a lot of different reasons, I, I think. Um, some, you know, Helensky's fault and, and a lot of them not his fault, mm-hmm. but – um, well, it's something that Eric Kimry pointed out to me, I guess, after what was the game that he got hurt? Was it the Missouri game that he initially? We got hurt against Georgia? Alabama. Yeah, okay, that was it. That was it. He he mentioned at some point around the midway point of the season, he mentioned, obviously, we had seen Ryan Helensky, you know, struggling, limping around, and Eric said that it looked like he was kind of protecting his leg in the pocket, you know, not stepping into throws as much because he didn't want to, like, leave his leg out there and stuff like that. So that also probably affected his footwork, in addition to a lot of other things. So, sorry to interrupt, but there are a lot of contributing factors to that. But I love that Mike Bubba said that. Yeah, you know, and uh, being a true freshman, having uh, some protection issues, you know, I, I thought, uh, you know, Bobo was was pretty realistic and honest. He said, you know, we got to help him out more, too, as far as play calling and game planning and the running game and, and all these different things. So, um, you know, I, I think that's been positive. Um, you know, Ryan really... Need, has needed to and needs to have a, a big spring, and it sounds like he has so far. Um, that's a good sign for Carolina. I tell you, a guy I've heard some good buzz about that maybe hasn't been talked about much is uh, is Adam Prentice, the the incoming fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this guy will knock your head off. Um, I, I think his teammates have already sort of taken notice of him and, and what he can do, and and who knows how how much actual true fullback they're going to be lined up in. I, you know, I think the fact that he can be kind of an H back. Um, you know, puts him on the field a little bit more. I, I think there's a there's almost a uh, perception right now that this is going to be a full on I formation, old school, nineteen ninety five offense, and um, I don't think that's going to be the case. But uh, the the other interesting thing that you know Mike Bobo said, and, and just I think we all knew this was the case, but he's like just laying it out there is hey these newcomer skill guys, um are going to be counted on. And if you come in and show that you're mentally ready, um, you know, you're talking about Jakari Caldwell, Rico Powers at wide receiver, uh, Jaheim Bell, Eric Shaw at tight end, um, assuming Eric Shaw doesn't get grabbed up by the defensive staff, uh, Zaquandre White and uh, Rashad Amos at running back. Um, it, it was a very pointed, like, okay, guys, if you come in ready, you're going to shape what this offense mm-hmm. is. And I, I thought that was – that's never ideal. I mean, let's be honest. But – I thought he he's not playing the game of you know oh everybody's competing or um, the game of you know we'll see what the freshmen do when they get here. It was hey if you're ready you're going to be on the field. Well, and let me go back to Prentice for just a second because we we've talked about this we talked about it on my local show on one seven five we talked about it on this podcast so I don't want to beat a dead horse completely here but when I hear I form when I hear about how much the coaches and players are raving about Adam Prentice and what it's like to have a a real genuine fullback on the team in a meaningful way, not someone that just kind of fills that position and name. 
I don't think about 1995 like ground and pound eye formation. The first thing I think of is what did we just see the San Francisco 49ers do getting to the Super Bowl? Running a lot of eye form, taking advantage of the best tight end in the game and Kyle Juszczyk. And I'm not saying that Adam Prentice is Kyle Juszczyk, but when South Carolina, if South Carolina has somebody like that, someone that's played a ton of football, somebody that's physical, somebody that understands the game, somebody that understands the offense, and just frankly, is a grown man. Adam Prentice, is he the oldest player on the team? He's probably pretty close as a six-year guy. He's at I'm least sure. he's at least 22, 23, 24, 25. Maybe he's 28. Maybe he's 30. I don't know. He's a grown man. I feel like Mike Bobo obviously thinks highly of him, and Prentice thinks highly of Mike Bobo to come all the way across the country to play a sixth year for Bobo. I feel like there is a lot of potential. There's a lot that can be unlocked with Prentice. Now, again, we won't know for a while, but I love what we've been hearing from the coaches and from the players about Prentice so far just through five practices and the presence that he brings. The flip side of that, something that I don't want to say I've learned, but something that's maybe a concern, probably the number one concern going into spring, and it doesn't sound like through five practices there is any progress in terms of answering those questions. Perimeter playmaking in South Carolina. The wide receivers, a already questionable group that lost their unquestionable best player. You're bringing back dubious productivity from guys that have been inconsistent throughout the course of their careers and it doesn't sound like the coaching staff has any more confidence in the group they have at wide receiver through five practices than when they started spring yeah I mean that's my single biggest concern I think for this whole team um I think it'll remain a question mark until the fall you just gotta I mean it's not like there aren't options there are options there if you're South Carolina you've got to hope that um and, and all these things don't have to happen, but maybe three of these things have to. You know, you got to hope Xavier Leggett has a great offseason. Uh, you got to hope to carry on Joyner can make the step from being, um, you know, a quarterback playing wide receiver to a true wide receiver. You got to hope Ortre Smith can get back healthy and show that, um, you know, show some of that potential he showed as a true freshman. You got to hope Josh Van um, can get comfortable again and, and become more consistent catching the football because out of. High school, that was something, you know, drops weren't an issue for him in high school. Um, you got to hope maybe one of these true freshmen, be it Rico Powers or Jakari Caldwell, comes in mentally and physically ready to, to help your team. I, I mean, you know, then you I think you got to hope maybe one of these tight ends can lessen the load, I, I think, as far as what you're doing in the passing game. I thought it was interesting, Bobo talking about Jaheim Bell. Um, you know, he even called him a big wideout, even though the guy's coming in as a tight end. He's not going to be your traditional – in-line tight end that you're going to have, you know, blocking a bunch. He, he's going to be a guy you're going to use in the passing game. Um, Eric Shaw's athleticism. Yeah, didn't I you say Bell was in. built a little bit more like Casey Crosby? Yeah, he's, uh, he's about 220, 225 pounds. Um, is a pass-catching type tight end. Played, you know, played out on the edge. Played receiver in high school at times. And, um, you know, it's just an all-around athlete. So, you know, all, all these guys have the chance to contribute. It's just very difficult to sort of project which guy is going to take that next step. Um, and they don't all have to, but you need about half about half those names we're talking about. Can Tyquan Johnson uh, pop up and, and sort of give you something? That's a guy that's just sort of been, um, you know, lost in the shuffle a little bit, but has always been a very, very good athlete. So um, there, there, are, there are guys there, but so far um, the consistency has not been there. They've had guys banged up at that position. You need and I you know I said all that and never even mentioned Shy Smith. So you need Shy Smith to take that step from being 
And I think maybe you, you know, I'll put a little bit of that on the coaches. They need to use Shy Smith possibly a little bit differently. Is he more of your your slot guy in this offense that you're still going to be using underneath and over the middle, or um, is he the guy that's going to be out on the edge and and sort of take the top off the defense, so to speak, and be a true downfield threat? Something I don't think South Carolina had much of last year. He he can't be both. You know, it, you sort of almost have to pick one and and sort of go with it. Now you can. You can move him around, no doubt, but on any given play, he can't be providing both of those threats. Need someone to, I guess for him, it's probably just a matter of what guys emerge around him. Like if Xavier Leggett does have a really nice offseason in Carolina, feels like he can be a true outside receiver, then you probably have the flexibility to move Shy inside. And you know, the flip side, if no one emerges as an outside threat, he's still someone that is ostensibly your best option, your most productive returning receiver, just based on his career. He's someone that you probably is probably not up to shy where he plays, unfortunately, because it kind of felt like that was the case last year, too, where he was filling a need more than having the coaching staff be able to put him in a position where they can maximize his skill set. So maybe that's part of why he was not as productive as he could have been last year. Obviously, nobody on the offense was in questions and issues at quarterback and with pass protection at times and things like that had a lot to do with it. But it doesn't sound like South Carolina is necessarily any closer to resolution at the wide receiver position, which is fine. It's five spring practices. They have ten more including a spring game, plus summer workouts, plus fall camp. Spring game not against Purdue. Spring game maybe against Purdue. They haven't we, uh, decided yet. It's up we do have some Twitter questions, by the way. Okay, all right, good. So yeah, we'll, you want to hit them. We, we'll get to those in a second. Uh, unless you'll have any more thoughts for the first five practices, I do want to go over the recruiting calendar, what Carolina is looking at in the next couple of months as we enter the second half of spring, and then sort of a, a doldrums in terms of news outside of recruiting news. Uh, Chris, you proposed that we talk about this, so I'm guessing that means you have the schedule right in front of you or just in your noggin, like printed on the front of your skull? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I mean, in, in general, right now, you're going to have the opportunity during spring practice, you know, student-athletes, prospective student-athletes are going to be able to visit, you know. Uh, recruits. Co- recruits <laughs> are going to be able to visit. Prospective student-athletes. That's what they call That's them. That's the official PSA. Yeah. That's the official lingo, the official term. And so um, they're going to be able to visit. Then when you get into April, um, you know, that is when April 15th through the end of May, that's going to be the spring evaluation period. So that's when coaching staff can go out on the road. You're going to hear about them, you know, swinging through the halls of a bunch of different high schools, going and and checking up on targets in the 21 class, but also some underclassmen in the 22, 23 classes. They're going to be able to sort of reset their recruiting board based on what they're hearing, based on what they're seeing you know, during spring practices in certain places, what they're hearing from coaches, they're going to be able to take a look at transcripts, all those different types of things, um, and and probably dispense some new offers, shuffle the board a little bit. Um, then, you know, after May, you're going to get into June. There is going to be a – there'll be a dead period, actually, in, in later June until July for about a month. So that'll mean no off-campus, no on-campus contact, and then um, – there, there will be before that period in June will be sort of camp season. So Carolina will have about 10 camp days where they'll have a bunch of guys in. So that's sort of what you're looking at for spring through summer in terms of contacts and things of that nature. So Carolina's already got a couple of commits, verbal commits, I guess, whatever, for the class of 2021. We talked a little bit last week about Sam Reynolds. What's the rest of the 2021 class looking like for South Carolina? Let's just say now through the summer targets that Carolina has or guys that they expect to commit before the start of the season? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, 
you look this this month has been busy. Um, you know, I think there's been movement. There was a a new February uh, dead period, which sort of I think funneled a lot of visits that would have taken place maybe um, around then into March. And you know, with spring practice going on, um, you know, a lot of schools around the country have had a lot of visitors, including South Carolina. So that there has been movement. Um, I think you look at Colton Gauthier at quarterback. Um, who I still need to figure out the exact way to pronounce his last name. Are we going Gauthier or Gauthier? I think it's Gauthier. I okay. think it is. We're going Gauthier. Yeah. So that's what we're rolling with here. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, he sort of very cryptically um, said he wants to make a decision soon. And um, I tried to ask him how soon. And he said, you know, sooner rather than later, which, uh, sort of avoided the question, but means that, <laughs> hey, I, I may have a pretty good idea what's, you know, what's going on soon. I, I think South Carolina is in a really good spot with him, uh, just the way he talks, plus what we've sort of heard from, you know, from the South Carolina side. And, um, you know, I know I know people always want to talk quarterbacks. That's Even, even if you don't follow recruiting extremely close, uh, quarterback recruiting generally tends to be, I think, looked at by – a broader spectrum of the, uh, you know, the fan base. And, you know, th- this guy, he, he's a four-star on Rivals and um, is at a a school where I, I think he doesn't maybe necessarily play the biggest competition, but um, it is a big kid, big arm. We saw him in camp last year, had a really good workout for Dan Warner. Um, you know, I, he's the guy that I think you're sort of tracking over these next weeks or months as being someone who could – you know, go ahead and, and pull the trigger for South Carolina. And I I think you look at what they've done at quarterback the last few years. We talked about what Luke's done this spring, Ryan Helensky the year before, uh, to carry on Joyner the year before that. Um, you know, if you're going by rivals rankings, um, you know, that would be your fourth straight four-star quarterback, um, you know, by those rankings, which would obviously be a, a nice trend for Carolina. A nice trend for Carolina and a – kind of perplexing trend as the offense continues to be uh, inconsistent to bad. And for Will Muschamp, a guy that's not known for offense, and that's kind of been borne out for South Carolina, I guess two years ago seemed like a little bit more of a of a blip than anything, but their ability to continue to land high-profile quarterbacks is, if you know, if this one, if Carolina is able to land him, would be very but, interesting. Uh, the the yeah. entire Will Muschamp tenure has been it's, fascinating it's in that about, respect. You know, th- there was a period in, um, you know, 2014 through – 2016, they had three straight four-star quarterbacks as well because mm. you had, uh, you know, Connor Mitch and Lorenzo Nunez and Brandon McElwain. Oh, the Nooner was four stars? He was. Wow. And so, you know. Okay, so the Stars just don't the, mean And I'm not diminishing that. That is good. Obviously, you, you Well, want, then you attack Jake Bentley on that. And Jake Bentley, so that's 20. He ended up being in the 2016 class as well, mm. you know. So it, it's. You know Jake Bentley still supposed to be in high school? Goodness, get out of here with that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it, it is, but but Gauthier's a guy who's, you know, like Wes said, he's got some tools that you like, and you look forward to even to the twenty two class where you got another quarterback out of Georgia and Gunner Stockton that's got a lot of ties to Carolina to Mike Bobo. Um, there's some helpful ties there, and he was on campus too recently, and uh, he's been on campus a few times as of late, and someone that they're going to probably have a really good shot with in that class as well. So you, you start even looking forward to that. Yeah. Who who do you think, other than Colton, 
is the guy we need to mention as someone to watch. At quarterback? No, no, no. Just in general. Just general, the next two months as far as Carolina's I mean, recruiting class goes. Maybe T.J. Sanders might that's be where, one. That's where I was going. Yeah. Uh, the kid in Marion, um, I've already got my future cast prediction in for the Gamecocks. Um, he's a guy that they, I think, did a really good job of getting out ahead of other schools and evaluating him and offering him first. Um, freak athlete, had a huge junior year. Um it hasn't quite taken off yet for him. Uh, Syracuse followed up, I guess, after South Carolina with an offer. Um, have other SECs jumped in yet that you've seen as far as an offer? Not yet. Not but yet. I, I got to think that's coming. Um, we're hoping to see him at, at Rivals Camp later this month up in uh, the Charlotte area. But, you know, I think they're in great shape with him. You know, you talked about ties with, with Gunnar Stockton. He's got some ties to South Carolina um, that are very, very strong. And, you know, I, I think – you know, landing in-state defensive lineman is something for South Carolina you have to be able to do. And, uh, you know, Justice Boone, the kid from Sumter, missing on him, him going to Florida. Um, you're in really a battle for uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. And, um, you know, I, I think T.J. Sanders is, is someone. Right now, you look him up. If you haven't really followed recruiting, you're you're like, okay, who cares? Um, if you just look. Zero stars. You know, you look that he hasn't been ranked yet. But this guy, I think – ultimately ends up being where, – where where do you think he ends up ranked if we sort of shoot ahead to the end of the class? I mean, I, I think – I mean, the highest-ranked guy for the state of South Carolina in 2021 is a 5.7 three-star, which is the highest three-star, but obviously is not a four-star. I think just looking at the upside of T.J. Sanders, he's actually in the conversation for being – the top player, the top prospect in the state based on upside alone. Yeah, based on potential. Yeah, if you're basing it on potential, then probably so. This isn't because this isn't your traditional. I mean, yeah. he's not battling like Jordan a bunch Birch, of ready-made guys. He's a five-star yeah. guy. He's not battling Luke Doty. Um, the highest-ranked guy right now is a high three-star. So, yeah, I, it's. I mean, he's got that type of potential. I don't know if he'll end up being ranked as a four-star guy, but he does have potential to certainly be in the end up in being in the top five in the state, he probably, you know, you can make a good argument for that right now, actually. And then you look at his potential, just body type and how he moves, there's a lot of things to like there in terms of how he projects to the college level. And you already future cast him for South Carolina, so if they are able to land him, what what kind of player are they getting with him? It sounds like you think he's someone that could be a difference maker, obviously, if he's towards the top of the class, even if it's not a great recruiting class in South Carolina. There's difference-making potential there, but, like, what kind of player is he? Yeah, you know, he's already 6'4", 280 or so pounds. Um, you watch him on film, man. The impressive thing to me is just how well he moves. Um, he plays – right now he plays tight end. He plays defensive end. He plays some defensive tackle. They even use him as, like, a stand-up edge rusher, outside hmm. linebacker, pass rusher. Even at 280. Guy. So yes. I would think he's more of an inside guy, but he's someone that projects to be more of a pass rusher in college. Well, I, I think when he gets to college, um, keeps growing. He's a he's going to be like that athletic interior three technique mm. defensive okay. tackle. Uh, that's how they use him right now. Um, I don't know. He's two eighty right now. I don't know if he he may have played at you know two sixty five or something last year. But just you you watch. I mean, there's a a shot of him at tight end, and he's like running a corner route down the field. Um, making the catch, then, like, bowling over three guys and, you know, showing balance. And um, those are those are the guys that 
you take if you're in this state. You have to take those guys because it's generally that type of athleticism at that size um, is pretty rare. And, uh, you know, I think you have to take him. The fact that he has a basketball background I think helps. He was more of a basketball guy. Uh, it's kind of a funny story. He he did play football growing up. There's this thing of like, well, this is his first year of football that's out there. This is his first year playing high school football. Hmm. He did play football growing up. But um, one of their coaches, hopefully, I mean, I don't think this is some big secret, but one of their coaches told him, if you play football, because they, you know, a lot of times – with the high school staff, it's just as much convincing your athletes that are already in your school mm-hmm. to come play football. Or if you're the basketball coach, hey, man, we need you on the basketball team. So they convinced him, you should come play football because the kid thought you know, he was a basketball player. Where If you're 6'4", 275, whatever he was last year on the basketball court, you're not, you're not even tall as far as colleges mm-hmm. go. But they said – if you come play football, you will have a Division One scholarship offer. Hmm. That's cool. And sure enough, he plays one season of high school ball this past year as a junior. South Carolina finds him, brings him in for a visit March 1st. They wanted to just see him in person, make sure um, that he was the same size he appeared to be, etc. Meet him, make sure he's a good kid, whatever. They offer and now, I mean, I think he's going to completely blow up. But uh, you just – it goes to show you, you, just, you never – especially in this state, you have to keep looking for guys. You have to find these kids because the athletes are there. He, he may not be a ready-made product. He may not be a guy that you say, oh, he's going to come in and play, you know, 30 snaps a game as a true freshman. But you don't look past athlete, athleticism like that. And that he's only played one year explains – him being under the radar, which, you know, is nice. The benefit of being in the state, you obviously have a few more ties. You can get in early with some of those guys earlier than, like, you know, not that he's going to be like an Alabama or Georgia kind of guy, but, like, maybe earlier than, like, North Carolina or, you know, Georgia Tech or, you know, some of those other schools that are kind of around where Carolina is right now. That's cool. That's, those are the, the diamonds in the rough that you got to find when you're trying to, you know, not only, like I said, in a and an in-state class is a little bit weaker, but when you're still a team that's trying to exploit the margins in these recruiting classes, those are the kinds of guys that you have to find. I got one more guy I think that's probably worth mentioning um, just because of his timeline and where South Carolina is. Bryce Steele, who's a linebacker out of Virginia. Um, he's a guy that we saw in camp. I can't recall if it was last summer or the summer before, but uh, he's out of Alexandria, Virginia, and is a really physically impressive guys, 6'1", 195. So he looks sort of like either a big safety or outside linebacker mm. and has a bunch of offers. And he visited recently, too, and had another really good trip. And South Carolina, I think, is in a pretty good spot. Not that you know South Carolina will definitely land him, but certainly heavily in that conversation. And he has said before um, that he's possibly going to make a decision in March or otherwise this spring. So... He's somebody to maybe just keep an eye on as a potential uh, commitment somewhere this spring and, and someone that South Carolina is in the in the mix with there pretty heavily. Anybody else they should be on the lookout for for the tw- class of 2021? I don't – what do you – I mean, I don't think so, Chris. Like, not that we know of I mean, it's already right a now. pretty early look. I just wanted to make sure before yeah, we move on. I mean, there's probably some kid sitting out there right now that's thinking about committing. And it, listening to this podcast and deciding to go with Carolina? Yeah, you know, at, at this point, sometimes they sort of 
as the class, I've always noticed as the class goes on, you get a little bit better feel for who you should be tracking, like which guys you need to pay more attention to. And then early on, though, you always have a guy that uh, the staff has like found and really wants, and you're maybe not even sure yet that that's the case. Um, so, yeah, there's not anybody that just pops into your brain. But they, they've had so many guys on campus this month, and we'll have so many coming up. Uh, March 21st will be a big day as far as visitors go. Um, you can never rule out just, you know, sort of that surprise uh, commitment. Cool. All right, so we'll have stuff to talk about a little bit later in the spring when we don't even have spring to talk about. With that, we'll turn our attention now to some listener questions. We put these in a lot of different places, so we appreciate you all keeping up with us, sometimes on Twitter, sometimes on TIF. Got to keep wherever, Yeah, where, wherever you find it, we appreciate you getting us there. Uh, first from TMC says, what are y'all hearing from Cam Smith? A lot of players on defense spoke highly of him. He's obviously one of the highly touted defensive backs that came in last year, along with Shiloh Sanders and Jamie Robinson and John Dixon. And while Jamie Robinson seemed to be the crown jewel after having an all-SEC freshman defensive back type season, seems like from what we've heard just through five practices, Cam Smith might be primed for a breakout year. Yeah, I think he's done well so far. I think Cam has always had the upside and the talent. He's just got to put it all together. Um, you know, I think there was a, a big jump um, from high school to, to college for him. And, um, you know, last year they, they talked about how he needed to get stronger. I, I think you look at him, the, the frame has always been there. Um, the length, which is what colleges completely covet at the cornerback position these days, it is there. Athleticism is there. Um, he just needed to get a little bit bulkier, get stronger, uh, be able to hold up in man coverage and um, just, uh, you know, mentally get get more consistent, I, I think, in practice. So th- this is a big spring for him. Uh, like we said earlier, big big spring for Johnny Dixon. Uh, I'm not going to sit here, especially with the, you know, the lack of access right now. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's going to happen. But um, I, I think that's certainly something to, to keep an eye on, that he could be a guy that takes an, another step forward. And that, like we've talked about, that, that would be huge for this defense because um, – I said this maybe last week or the week before. The more we've talked about the different uh, scenarios and position groups and we went position by position, I feel a little bit worse about the offense than I maybe did before I talked it out. But the more I sort of look at the pieces on this defense, mm-hmm. the more you – I sort of feel like that could be a surprise unit at least. You know, I don't think anybody's – because they went 4-8, and eight, nobody's sitting here saying this is going to be a dominant defense. But it was a really but, good defense last year despite the 4-8 and eight record. Yeah, it was – and, you know, if, if you throw in the fact that maybe maybe this offense can be a little bit more balanced as far as staying on the field, a little bit, if, if they get more out of the running game and uh, shorten the game, don't put their defense in as bad of spots. Uh, to me, that's probably how this team's going to have to win games. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to win some – some 21 to 17 games, some, you know, 24 to 21 type games. You're not going to be in a bunch of shootouts. This defense may be capable of doing that. So, uh, but I, I think having some guys like Cam step up in their second year, some guys like Zach Pickens at defensive tackle step up in his second year um, is, is going to be a big part of that. Allow me to take you on a tangent as we talk about the defense. Well, actually, before I go on the tangent, let me just say, kind of to mirror what you were talking about earlier with South Carolina's offense, especially the wide receiver position, you said not all of these things need to happen, but like three or four of these things need to happen for you and South Carolina fans to feel good about the group at wide receiver. It's kind of the opposite of defensive back where you have like three or four guys that you feel like could make a leap this year. And if you get 
that leap from just one of those guys, then all of a sudden I think the defense goes from projecting to be a good, like very solid unit to like a potentially very, very good, like top three or four, maybe top two or three in the SEC type of unit. Now maybe we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves and, and being a little bit too optimistic here in the offseason, but the emergence of Cam Smith or John Dixon or somebody like that as another defensive back gives you five or six legitimate bodies back there on top of the depth you have at defensive line and on top of you know the returning what you have returning at the linebacker position I think that that projects to be really really solid to your point about the defense obviously they gave up too many points and too many yards last year as a whole like the raw counting stats for the defense weren't great my theory was that most of that was on the offense continuing to put the defense in bad positions I think all three of us agree that the defense was better than the points they allowed, the yards they gave up, and the record that South Carolina finished with. Is that fair? Yes. Yes? Yeah. yeah. I, I equated it to the offense and, or excuse me, to, yeah, to the offense in 2014 compared to the defense in terms of just like one side of the football really holding up their end of the bargain. Obviously, Dylan Thompson setting the single season passing record in 2014, and the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Maybe sure. it wasn't that dramatic, but it felt like that to me last year. So I threw this out sarcastically. Chris is going to laugh. Wes is going to scoff and scowl at me. But then I'm going to give you the numbers, and I need you to play this out in your head. At least down the stretch, and specifically in the Texas A&M and Clemson games, I suggest that South Carolina would have lost by fewer points. It was, what, 30-6 to against A&M and 38-3 to against Clemson, I think? I think that's right. They would have lost. Those games would have been closer if instead of running the offense, they had just taken a knee on every single offensive play. <laughs> Shorten the game, limit possessions, even out the time of possession, give the defense a little bit more time to rest. I think Carolina would have been in those games more had they just kneeled on every single play. Uh, well, they wouldn't have scored six. That wouldn't have been possible. But I don't think. But I think Texas a would have scored fewer than 24. Uh, so it possible. would have been closer. We'd have to go through and run some math on that. So, but, I mean, they, they didn't do much of anything in that game they didn't. offensively. They didn't. It took them, what, until like halfway through the fourth quarter to get a first down? I think was was what happened, or or, or maybe to convert a third down. That's what it was because they had a couple of first down, first downs because they had like a big play. So I had somebody push back a very reasonable suggestion. Okay, you can't say that though because even if you're even if you pick up one first down, you're gaining yards. You're at least flipping field position. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair point. So I went back and I looked at all the possessions for South Carolina that lasted less time than just four kneels would have taken. Because, again, my idea was was not about, like, obviously you can't gain yards and you can't score points when you're kneeling the football, but you take more time off the clock, you give your defense more time to rest, etc. So I was just looking at drives that lasted less than two minutes. Obviously, if you kneel four times, you can end up burning a little bit more than two minutes. But here are the possessions that South Carolina had that lasted less than two minutes in the Texas A&M game. Four plays, 18 yards, minute 53, punt. 18 yards, maybe that flips the field a little bit. Uh, Next was their scoring drive, 7 plays, 63 yards, a minute 49. Hey, there you go. That's a good drive. 3 plays, 5 yards, a minute 11, punt. That doesn't really flip field position. 5 plays, 30 yards, 26 seconds, end of half. Field position doesn't matter. 3 plays, minus 3 yards, a minute 4, punt. Taking these there would have been better. 5 plays, 25 yards, minute 27, punt. 25 yards, maybe that flips field position. Uh, 3 plays, 0 yards, 22 seconds, punt. Kneeling definitely would have been better there. Three plays, zero yards, 24 seconds. Kneeling definitely would have been better there. That resulted in a punt. And then you had a seven-play, 62-yard drive that lasted a minute 47. Ended on downs. No field position change there. And then four plays, minus nine yards, 34 seconds, and a field goal. 
that was uh, obviously after Texas A&M turned the ball over. You lose nine yards and you still get a field goal out of it. So if you had kneeled, you still would have gotten that field goal at least. For the Clemson game, here are the possessions that lasted fewer than or less than two minutes. Four plays, 23 yards, minute eight. Three plays, minus four, minute 21. Three plays, minus two, a minute 50. Three plays, a yard, minute 47. Three plays, three yards, 52 seconds. Three plays, four yards, a minute 33. And four plays, eight yards, a minute 30. That's rough. Those are bad numbers. That's horrible. Yeah. That's a legitimate case that just kneeling the football would have been better than running your offense. That's how that's how little stock we should take in the counting stats that the defense gave up last year. Is my point. I think the defense should be good. Yeah, I mean they 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 that were was faced, a heck of a tangent. That was a right? big that was a big tangent. I well, big I did all that research tangent. last week, and so I just wanted to bring it up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there you go. I do that sometimes. I go down a rabbit hole of looking yeah. at some stat, and then you're like, well, I need to do something with this. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, you're right. I mean, when your defense is put in a lot of bad situations, you, you can't just look at say, well the defense gave up whatever, 31 points. You know, the A&M game, defense played very well. Mm-hmm. I'd argue they played pretty good against Clemson. Oh, yeah. Even, I mean, all things considered, Clemson's I mean, that was only an one elite of like three offense. games that Clemson didn't score 40 points or something like that. Yeah. And, and, I mean, Carolina, I mean, did any other opponent that Clemson played only score three points? I, I don't know off the top of my head. Probably most of them. I don't know. You know, you know late touchdown or something, you know. And, and some teams certainly scored actual touchdowns and meaningful you know <laughs> moments against them so yeah I mean th- there's going to be some pieces that you know Javon Kinlaw's you know you don't replace him it's mm-hmm. almost like losing I don't want people to say well Chris Clark said that he's as good as Clowney I'm not saying that but it's a similar type when you got a guy that's that disruptive individually and can just wreak havoc they're not going to have that guy a couple of top five picks yeah but collectively mm-hmm. they've got you know, you could argue that collectively in certain spots they may be better because of experience or having some guys come along. Mm-hmm. They just more gotta depth. figure out more depth, I think. More depth in some on spots. All three levels. And you know, this is a team that overall even we look at the offense and we go, Man, I don't feel good about the receivers. I don't. I wouldn't. Until mm-hmm. further notice. Mm-hmm. You know, you take like receiver, you take safety. Until further notice, you have to presume that that's a big question mark. It is. Um but if this team can just stay healthy, like, that gives you a chance because they had, like, last year they had questions at receiver, sure, but then you get, like, into the A&M game where you're down to your, what, third string in some situations and you got a quarterback that's struggling and he's banged, been banged up and then he's not playing well and doesn't look confident. You just got all sorts of issues. Mm-hmm. So just staying healthy automatically makes you better. Now, does it make you good enough to win more enough games? I don't know. You just triggered everybody listening now, bringing yeah. up injuries. Sorry, yeah. everybody. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, from Soda City, sit down. Offense and defense, uh, excuse me, offensive and defensive players that make the biggest leap this spring. Just this spring. Give me one of each. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Ryan Alinsky. Ooh, offensively. Yeah, okay. Um defensively. God, that's hard to say. You got anybody, Chris? Offensively, I'll go with Deshaun Fenwick. You know, Xavier Lurgett, I think would be a good one. I'm picking XL so you can't. But have but, that. but I'll go I'll go with Fenwick. Are um, we projecting here like, yeah, like yeah. so far or just 
Uh, I guess it's I guess it's unclear. It just says offensive and defensive players that make the biggest leap this okay. spring. When we when we leave spring, like who made yeah, the biggest? Yeah. Who will we? Well, say? if it was if Xavier Leggett ends up being the answer, that's a very that's very good. good that's very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. You're going Helensky. You're going Fenwick. I'll go with XL defense player. We'll start with Chris because Wes is still thinking. Or I'll give mine. Go ahead with yours, so I can think. I am gonna go with Cam Smith. That's a good one. Um, there, there's there's I'm gonna say candidates. Ricky Sandage. Ooh, yeah. Because I think he, you know, we talk about Zach Pickens. He gets, I mean, Rick's been here, this will be his third year now. Um, He's played some the first two years. He's got a real chance to be a starter. Um, I think he showed some real flashes at times. Rick Sandage was, what, the number two defensive tackle in the country out of high school? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Um, Rick Sandage. It's a good one. Um, let's see. You got to go with a linebacker now, because we went quarterback, running well, back, well, wide I, receiver, and then we went defensive back, defensive lineman. You got to go with like Jamar Brown or I did sort of send Lewis that. or something. But Jamar has been out with injury. Oh yeah, that's right. He's been out. He was back the other day, wasn't he? When we were in there, was he? I think I saw him come back in. I think I did. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I won't pick him. Then I thought about like, do you pick Ernest Jones because like he was a starter, but he could still take a big step forward. If he takes a big, if he takes the biggest step on defense, that's either really bad for the defense or he's going to be all SEC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then I thought about Pickens. Um, I mean, Rosendo Lewis. It's I. I still. I don't think. I think it's spring talk. Honestly, I'm gonna be surprised if he plays a lot. But he has made a step. If we're just talking Mm -hmm. about to take a step forward, yeah. I think Rosendo Lewis so far is in the conversation because you know last year he really wasn't getting talked about. I know Mm -hmm. he had some injuries and stuff much at all, and now he's actually getting talked about as a guy who um, has impressed the staff so far. Well, when you're talking about developing depth, I mean, Rosendo Lewis doesn't need to be a guy that goes out and plays 60 snaps, but if the 15 to 20 snaps that he plays in a game aren't a precipitous drop-off from the starters, that's big for Carolina. Yeah. I, I'm i still inclined to go with either one of, of Cam or John Dixon, so I'll actually go John Dixon okay. just to be di- a little bit different. But, but it'll be close. But <laughs> Well... It's obviously close if we're sitting here thinking about, you know, I've got six or seven or eight candidates for yeah. it. But, um, I mean, John played some last year. But it's not like he was he like started a started game he, one. He started game one, yeah. But it's not like he was a all-the-time starter, played, you know, 75 snaps a game. No, that game one starting secondary, though, could be the exact same game one starting secondary we see this year with Izzy playing safety and yeah. J.C. and John Dixon at corner. Yeah. That wouldn't and, surprise and who me. Who was playing? I think R.J. next to Izzy. What was the nickel situation that game? To go back and look, I think Jamie. Robinson yeah, probably Jamie, Jamie Robinson was the nickel. But I think I JT remember game started one. at safety that day. Yeah. Oh, next to Izzy, not RJ. I think maybe. I think. Yeah. So I, I I'll go with Dixon because I mean, and he is a he is a guy that's always had talent, and mm-hmm. I think he, you know, could continue to progress and make that leap. But it could be him or or, or Cam really. Thanks, Soda City. Sit down for that one. Thanks, TMC. Uh, we'll just get one more quick question before we get out of here. I'll let Wes read this one though from uh, from Twitter. Do you have Twitter open? I mean, just throw me on the spot. Yeah, I'll All throw right. you on the spot. This, I mean, it was your thread, so I figured I would let you do the honors of of getting is one there, more question from question? the thread before we get out of here. Oh, that... what is? We it? have a question from Pearson Fowler. Who's that? Who, who is Sounds that? Sounds like a some loser. Phony. Yeah. He says, "Wes, period. What's the best impression that at GC Chris Clark?" does Ooh, are you a man of impressions chris clark how did this random person on twitter know about this 
It's almost like they were in the room earlier. That's so creepy. <laughs> um, Big brother. Big brother. I would say his best is probably Lance Thompson. Oh, he does a good Lance Thompson. Former game guy. What do we need to do coach. to coax that out of Chris on this podcast? Record him without his knowledge <laughs> before we start the podcast, okay. which is what you do anyway. I, I do do that, yeah. That I didn't is today. true, yeah. I didn't today as much, but I, I Probably didn't. have to wait a few weeks and catch me off balance. Yeah. And okay. All right, so that's a nice teaser for all the listeners. Keep listening to this and listen after we play the little outro bed because sometimes I stick some goodies at the end. A little Easter egg. A little Easter egg, yeah. Are we going to talk about my Twitter poll? Oh, yeah, we got to talk about that too. Because, and I got to say, I couldn't vote in my own poll because I've still never been to Andy's. Oh, I thought Chris was the one that hadn't been to Andy's. I thought you were the Andy's evangelist. No. He's all evangelist. You are. (laughs) He's all about some Andy's. I've still never been. We're going to change that soon. Um, yeah, we said that a year ago when we were actually eating with Kev and Derek yeah. and doing um, food reviews yeah. on but Periscope I or whatever. I think what one, we're going to do, yeah. we're going to go live. Okay. I'm going to go get some Grouchos, and we're going to take it into Andy's. That's 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 rude. We're not doing that. Why don't that. we just get Grouchos yes, and are. then get no, Andy's I and then eat it all like, the on the people at Andy's. I'm not doing that. No, we're, we're going to do, do a review. No, 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 but okay, go, you can't, get, you can't get Groucho's, it's right down the street, get Andy's, and then we just go sit like outside, you can like sit on the fountain outside. or something, but, all right, and eat them so side by side. We don't need to be in either establishment. No, yeah. if you're, if you're Andy's, would you rather, while we're live streaming, would you rather us be in your facility, or would you rather us be outside? You're getting way more... Definitely outside, because you're going to pick Groucho's. Not necessarily. What you're did your getting, Twitter poll say? You're getting... Twitter said 70 to 30. So you think it'd be good if we went into Andy's with Groucho's. And we put them side by side. And then you said, I like Groucho's better. That's good for Andy's. We don't know what I'm going to say. And I know what I'm going to say. Andy's getting what? Andy's getting free publicity. You're an Andy's guy. I'm a Groucho's guy. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's been a while. It's probably been since high school. All right. What is it that's better about Groucho's for you? Is it the sauce? Is it the bread? Is it the meat? You know, probably nostalgia. Oh. Honestly, I just ate at Groucho's more than Andy's. That's, that's and it, to, I mean, to me, they're basically the same, and I just prefer Groucho's because it's what I ate growing up. See, Andy's has a better meat to bread ratio. But see, I don't even. There's an attorney that I knew in Columbia. He he used to call the Groucho sandwich the bread sandwich. Like he oh, didn't I like do Groucho's. Love bread. Because and sometimes you'll get it, and there's too much shade bread. over here. Hmm? No, I'm not. I, I'll still like Groucho's. I got if anybody's listening, Mr. Groucho, <laughs> Groucho I, Marx. I love, if Groucho Marx is listening, <laughs> I love Groucho's. I really do. I go there a good bit. So when are we doing this? I mean, I may go today. Honestly, we'll talk about today. Really I, I, mean, I, I can go another time. It's too. tough for me to do lunch weekdays now because obviously I, I'm I'm probably on the air when you I, are doing your show. Maybe like a weekend. Or go for an early lunch. Can y'all eat at like eleven one day? Oh, I eat lunch all the time. Kev, who you <laughs> mentioned you eat early. lunch all the time. He, 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 no, <laughs> early, Just constantly. He, he, throughout the day, eating lunch all over he, the place. He makes fun of me because I eat lunch. Like sometimes I'll go catch lunch, and he's like a late eater. Because mm. um, he's and asleep. I'm early. He's asleep most of the time, I think. <laughs> and Kev's so, nocturnal. He is nocturnal, and so he will. I'll, I'll like I'll text him about lunch. It'll be like the eleven hour, and he's make some breakfast joke or something mm. like that. You know, what what is but, a break? What's a breakfast joke? He'll he'll be like <laughs> your breakfast time. You know, like at eleven, <laughs> like he's like acting like I'm eating breakfast or brunch. Mm. But I'm like, no, it's lunch. I've been up since five thirty or six. You know, like yeah. eating breakfast early, so I'm hungry. All right. Well, I really want to do this, and I I, I need y'all to wait for me, or just 
Okay, but I, I want to be a part I'm of not this. Going, I'm not going in Andy's where I know Andy and Andy Jr. and taking a Groucho sandwich. No, that's fine. There. We're going to we're gonna, we're gonna drop it five do points. Because it's so much more fun that way. Where are we sitting in five points? All right, sit so, on, so, so who do you know? Or something. Well, I'm not going to make you say who you know, but somebody you know. Would you be like, yeah, Chris, take their competitor's product into my f- buddy's business? If if it ended up, if I ended up saying that Andy's was better, I'm gonna post. But the 20, we don't I'm gonna know. post a 24 seven article on the Insiders Forum later. No, it happens all the time. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Wes will delete it. <laughs> We're gonna do this, and I'm I'm curious to see. Uh, do you know or care to share? You don't have to share if the number's low and you want to make it seem like it was higher. How many people voted on your poll? <laughs> no, I'll tell you. Because if it's 70-30 and it was 10 people. It was like 10 million, I think. Yeah? Well, Give or take. a lot of followers. Yeah. I, I know you have a lot of followers. I just, I'm curious what the sample size is. Because I'm inclined to believe that 70% of Columbia prefers Groucho's to Andy's, and I'm in that camp. But I just want to make sure that we're getting a good sample size here. I think we got a great sample size. As long as there's like 1,000. Because even like Gallup polls, which are you know the most revered pollsters in america for all sorts of things they only their sample sizes are only like a thousand people but they've done the science and figured out as long as they select like the right diversity of people people, you only need a thousand to be like a really really good i don't know if twitter is the right uh (laughs) cross-section of people necessarily but but we got 1439 votes perfect okay that's awesome that's a really 70 percent like grouches so do the math on that and it stayed actually very like throughout it was right at 70 30 pretty much the entire now I think there is some of that more people know Groucho's Definitely. like well, Groucho's is all over the state now yeah yeah as yeah, opposed I mean, to being, in Spartanburg they have multiple locations in Columbia there's well, just a one Andy's. and I tried to say you had to have had them both but I don't know I mean right, people yeah. don't actually listen to that yeah I mean and the other thing is like if I've been somewhere like if I've been somewhere like fifteen or twenty times and I've been to another place once and it was good but you asked me to pick like. I'll probably pick the place I've been 15 or 20 right. times. Right. Well, that's the thing with Groucho's. Like, I yeah. I don't know how many times I've been to Andy's. It's not a ton. I would say fewer than five, maybe just two or three. Yeah. I don't remember. Like I said, it's been a while. But the fact that all those times that I, all the other times around the time that I went to Andy's, that I had the option to go to Andy's again and I went to Groucho's, how much of that is just like comfort? How much of that is like, I grew up in Forest Acres, so there was a Groucho's a lot closer to my house than Andy's. So, like, that was an easy pick for me. So, I don't know. I. I'm Team Groucho's right now at 11:05 on March 11th, but I'm also open to changing my mind. So if we go, if we go, do this sandwich experiment and Andy's blows me away, I'm not above changing my opinion if y'all allow that. It'll be allowed, and, and in allow fact, in, encouraged not okay. to not to change your mind, but yeah, encouraged yeah. to to be open minded about it. I yeah. may sit there with a Groucho sandwich and say, you know what, today this Groucho sandwich is better. Yeah. Now the the okay. what we pick, we're gonna have to pick similar sandwiches from each yeah, place because yeah, yeah. they have it's similar. You got the the, spe- the Andy special mm-hmm. and the which STP. is like the STP, right? Okay, STP is is my go to. See, right. I go Big right. Dipper at Groucho's actually. What's that now? I don't know bread. Bread sandwich. Bread sandwich. Bread and, bread and sandwich microwave. with sauce. <laughs> no, I don't know. There's like roast beef and there's cheese and stuff. I, I don't remember what else. I haven't been to Groucho's Roast in a beef, while, cheese, actually. and stuff. And 45 sauce, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's, that's the key. All right. So we're going to do this. I'm hungry. Y'all post recommendations on this thread on Gamecock Central for what sandwiches you think we should sample. If you think there should be a diversity. If y'all also want to weigh in on the poll, if you didn't vote on Twitter. If anybody would like to sponsor our eating of the sandwich. And maybe Groucho's is going to sponsor. And, and maybe, yeah. Here's our Andy sandwich sponsored Brought, by Groucho's. This is brought to you by Groucho's. Wow, this Groucho's sandwich is amazing. But I mean, I I think 
to I think we need to get a sponsor and then we need to have like eight sandwiches and we'll cut them in a third or whatever. Well, we need to do this a lot more over the summer it. so that we actually have content. Food wars. We're we're gonna do food wars. We're, we're gonna, gonna bring it back wars. with Derek and Kev. Like I said, we only did okay. it once. We just like ate Moe's or something. We're gonna do more things so that we can talk about it on this podcast. Okay. Unless like y'all it. hated this content, in which case, also please let us know. Rate review, subscribe to this podcast. Find us on Twitter at GC Chris Clark at West Mitchell GC at Pearson Fowler. Give us all the feedback you want. You want more food content? You want less food content? Do you just want us to talk about the 2027 recruiting class for South Carolina? Those kids or that are in seventh grade. Or you just want us to go right away? Now? Yeah, or that. Let us know. We, uh, I like to think we're receptive to feedback. But as always, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.